0: So I want to do a little survey as I get started. How many of you could honestly say that you've been in church most of your life? Raise your hand. Most of your life. Wow. Look at that. You guys look look in that. Probably 90, 95% of the church at that moment just raised their hand. And the thing that the Lord laid on my heart, especially, we're going to get into David. We're going to do a part of David that me and Chris won't be getting to is later on in his life. But I want you guys to get this, the story that I'm going to share with you is one of the most unpopular, unspoken, unread and studied stories about David. It's it's, hardly even mentioned. Actually, when we get into it, a lot of you are probably going to say, I didn't even know that happened to David. But I'm going to tell you about a time in David's life that he began to drift from God. And he said, oh, oh, I know what you're going to be talking about, David and Bathsheba. I'm not talking about David and Bathsheba. And the thing that God really stirred my heart up in the fact that when we grow up in church or we're around it so much, there there's different seasons of us. And, and I hope you guys, by sake, in your hearts, can just acknowledge this. Do you guys know what it's like that season of your life where you're on fire from God with God and you're excited about what God's doing? You're excited about where God has you. You're excited about the ministries that you're in, you're seeing God answer prayer. I mean, you feel like invincible. And then there's the other extreme that you just feel like, you feel blah. And I know you're not going to sit there and go, yeah, yeah, I know that. But I'm going to tell you right now, whether you're going to admit it or not, we've been in those those kind of uh, down spots in our ministry, in our lives, in our Christian walk, where where you're not hungry to get in God's Word. You you can feel... You, you can go to some place, you're not looking up, praying for souls, you're not saying amen in the service, you mumble through the words of your song, you're just kind of in, a, in a, a slump. And then to be honest, we're being honest, there's also a middle ground. That's where you're coming to church, you stand, you sing, you go home, you do your thing, but there, it's not that you're blah and it's not that you're excited, there's just seasons in our life. But the thing that scares me the most that we really need to get in touch with when I, was, when I was a kid, uh, my, my grandparents had a pond. And uh, on that pond, they had this little boat, and it didn't really have oars. It wasn't used for anything other than going out there to get the branches from where it drained out. I mean, it was just kind of a, a tool. But we got excited as, as you know, 9, 10, 11-year-old boys. I mean, there was a boat, and I mean, something cool about being on the boat. My parents were like, we don't care if you go on the boat to go fishing, but we don't want you going out to the middle. If something happens, we want you guys to be able to come in and stuff. And so they kind of say, don't go further than whatever. And I mean, it was kind of that compromise of kids being able to be on the boat by themselves. And before long, just sitting there fishing or whatever, we'd look up and we're, half, we're, we're halfway in the middle of the pond. And we didn't, we didn't strive to be there. We didn't oar to that location. We didn't push ourselves out there. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You just sit in the boat and, and just from, the, from life... It pushes you out there and there we are in the middle and we're like, oh man, if mom and dad see us, we're going to get in trouble. Can I tell you, in our Christian walks, when you're not hungry and thirsting after righteousness, when you're not following after God, when you're not in your Bible, when you're not praying like you should be, whether you acknowledge it or not, you slowly begin to to drift from God. We do. All of us have the potential of not staying where you should be as a Christian. Another word that somebody, most Christians love to use for this terminology is backsliding, or however you want to put it. But we're not, we're, we're not where we should be. We end up allowing sins and problems and things to come into our life that should not be there. I want, I want to show you in David's life, because David normally is acknowledged for being a man that loves God and writing psalms and praising God, and he was probably one of the most passionate worshipers that we read in the Bible. And to read a story like this, you're saying, whoa, that is so out of character. Let me tell you guys, as long as you're made of flesh, you will do things that are out of your character. You always will. And it's not hard to do it. And it's amazing how when you're just drifting and you look back and you think, how in the world did I get in this spot? And sometimes it takes another Christian to walk in your life and go, "Whoa, whoa! I I, 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 I've never seen this side of you. I've never heard you talk like this. I've never seen you do these things. What happened to you?" David was passionate about God, but let me tell you, David was not perfect. David was not a saint. This story where we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 26, verse 21, as we set up to get in the story, you're, you're going to read it and go, wow, I, I, I didn't realize that David even said this. David is at the place now where he'd been running for Saul, from Saul for a long time, very, very hard life, having the king wanting you dead out of jealousy, and we studied that this morning. Saul was not right with God, Saul got far away from God, and I know that there was times in Saul's life, and we write him off, but I'm telling you, at the beginning of it, Saul did live his life to honor God. At this point, they're not best friends, but I I want you to see where they're at, is David confronted Saul, you guys know the story, and he's going there saying, he was pleading, why are you after me, why are you trying to kill me, and look at, I could have killed you, and he holds up the the garment and said, look at I could have gone into the cave and took your life, but I didn't. I just want things to be right. Have you guys ever done something for a long time? You do it, you do it, and do it, and you get so frustrated, you're just like, ah, I don't even care anymore. Have you ever struggled with your bills where 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 you're like always trying to keep your head above water, always trying to do this, and one night you go out there and you say, honey, get anything you want. I really don't care what we spend. I'm just tired of fighting all the time. Tired of fighting with the kids. Tired of fighting with life. And we just get discouraged. You don't even realize it. But you spiritually throw up your hands going, I just don't care anymore. Read this story. This is what happened. 1 Samuel twenty six twenty one. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Now listen to this confession. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm. Because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and if erred exceedingly. Now I don't know about you guys, but this is, this is touching, especially after everything that he's been through. And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. And the Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life Was much set by this day in mine eyes. So let my life be much set in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. You talk about exhaustion. He was just saying all I want. Just leave me alone. That's all I want. I just want to to have God's will and to be where I need to be. He's just laying it out. Then Saul said unto David, Blessed thou my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and shall still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Now, if you guys know the story, David had been in this situation quite a few times before, where he, David, Saul was like, Alright, I know this is dumb, I shouldn't be doing this, and then Saul got back in the flesh and went after him again. And I think David's sitting there wondering, all right, is this the real deal? Will I ever be able to get to the point in my life where I can just live out my life and not be looking over my shoulder wondering if I'm going to die? I'm tired of fighting and I'm tired of running. Remember, man after God's own heart. Remember, he's a man that loved God. Remember all those things. Chapter 27, verse 1. Now look at this. And David said in his heart, and I want to emphasize this, David is not praying David is not seeking God's direction. David said within himself, in in his frustration, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. David is talking to himself. It's not a prayer. It's not a, man, God is good, and God, you delivered me, and thank you, Lord, what is the next step for my life? It was literally, you know what, the truth of the matter, I'm one day going to die by this guy. I don't even know why I I even care anymore. Have you guys ever struggled with the what-ifs in your life before? You know, more, more likely, what if I lose my job and, you know, you're driving down the road and you feel bad and you felt bad for a couple of days, I wonder if it's cancer. You know, uh, you, know the, you hear of uh, the, the, the company struggling, I wonder if I lose my job, the what ifs. And you know what the thing is, our minds go crazy, wondering, running, in our minds, thinking of all these things, all this negative. Have you guys ever struggled with negative in your mind before? I, you know, I wonder if they're mad at me. Oh, man. They, they didn't say one thing. I, I, I bet you, honey, I know, I know. And I mean, it's all built up and there's nothing there. David right here is seeing a victory of God. Everything that he had prayed for, everything that he wanted was right there. And then he's sitting there going, yep, I'm going to die one day by this guy. It's all going to fall apart. This is it. How shall I die one day by the, by the hand of him? Can I tell you guys? Now, one time in any of this, did he ever say, Lord, don't let me die, and Lord, I trust you, and Lord, thank you? Read how he continues. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. You guys remember the Philistines? Do you remember the big one? The one that was a giant, the one that went out with all the armor, the one that defiled them, the one that had the people that were... Do you remember that as a boy? And now, this situation, he is running... To them. So wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is not the David that I. This is not the man after God's own home. No he was just like you and me. That's what he was. And Saul shall despair of me. To seek me any more At any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. In his mind he's thinking. Well this is the best thing to do. And, and notice he's running to the very things that he should not have been to the very all right let's just put it this way he was running to the world he was running to the opposite of where he should be God had a plan he was told that he was going to be the king of Israel and he's running the other way let me tell you guys when discouragement gets in our life it is very easy to throw up our hands and end up where God saved us from do you know how many times and I'm just going to relate because I'm telling you I'm looking across the face of a lot of people that have been in this shoe where you sit there, you, you, you put yourself on the right track with your health or whatever it is. Have you ever thrown a diet away just because you were discouraged? Oh, that's a waste. I'll be, I'll be overweight for the rest of my life. And you throw it all away just because you're discouraged. Or, or people that have said that I, I, I'm going to quit smoking, this is it. Then they get stressed out. Do you realize what a beast stress is in your life? It will make you think things. It will, it will torture you from the inside out. All of us. I, I, I've heard of some Christians that sat there and said, you know what, God saved me out of the bar. And I got so discouraged at work and I'm sitting there going home and then I find myself pulling into the bar thinking, you know what, what? one drink's never killed anybody and then all of a sudden it put them back on a track. Here's the thing. David had no right going to the Philistines. But when you get discouraged and you get down in your and you stop having your prayer to God and you stop having your attention. You'll do things that you didn't think that you do. He's running to the very people. Now, I'm going to show you, break this down. And I actually have seven points, but they'll go really fast. When you begin to drift, there are some things that you need to know. Number one, your decision affects those that you influence. Then you say, all right, David's running in the Philistine." No, no, you got to read the whole story. Verse 2, and David arose and passed over with 600 men that were with Achish, the son of Maac, and king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath and his men, every man of his household. And David with his two wives, a hen, Oman, I probably said that wrong, and the Jezuelites, and Abigail the Carmelites, Nabal's wife. You can imagine as they're doing this and they're packing up and they're saying, honey, where are we going? We're getting away and everything. And well, I, I know no, I heard there's a nice little place over by the Philistines. <laughs> Philistines. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What in the world are we doing there? We have is it, isn't that the people that are against us, isn't it? Well, I know, but I'll tell you what, the one thing that the Philistines hate just like I do, it's Saul. And if there's one place that's gonna have my back against Saul, it's, it's Saul's enemy. So let's go. It's it's amazing how we reason sin. It's amazing how we justify foolish decisions. There's people that you should not date. There's places you should not go. There's movies that you should not see. There's music that you should not listen to. They go against God, just like the Philistines that went out there and defiled their God. And then at some point in our life, we are running to those things. God cannot and will not bless it will not verse 4 and it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought him no more again for him you know why that was thrown in there God was saying hey I already took care of it don't be wise in your own eyes don't do what your flesh says to do it won't fix the problem let me tell you driving into that bar and picking up that bad habit or saying those words or getting back with those friends that God pulled you out of will not solve your problem the only thing that would solve David's problem is getting back to where God had him for and that was preparing him to be a leader number two your compromise or your drifting will only bring temporary relief you get in there and he goes over there and I'm sure David felt freed he gets to that nation and he's sitting there going, man, finally I'm not looking over my shoulder. I'm not having to deal with this. I'm in a good place finally in my life. And I've seen so many people that have, have, have gotten in that situation where all of a sudden they get out of church. They creep back into those things. It might feel good, but the Bible makes a promise. It is only temporary. It will not bring you satisfaction. It will not bless your life. I love it if we could drive that into the hearts of our young people as they graduate from school. And they're sitting there going off to college and they've got this idea that, hey, finally I can do my own thing. Mom and dad's not breathing down my neck. And in their minds that they've got all this freedom just to realize that that's not freedom. The devil has bondage. It's not any of the things that the devil promised them that it would be. It did not fix his problem. Actually, what David did is he ran to the problem. Number three, drifting will take you further than you plan to go. Here, here it is, where David's doing this, and just to show application, I'll bring you back to the story. But I, I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people, and I've asked them, how, how did you get out of church? I mean, you guys were so faithful, you were so involved, and you did this and that. And they said, well, it started where we got tired, and it was one Sunday, and then we justified this, and before long... We got a lot further than we ever thought that we would go. I, I've dealt with this with people in their relationships and people that have done this with websites and getting on the wrong stuff and letting the wrong garbage get in there. And, 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 and save teenagers that know better and save single people that know better that end up flirting and being with the, 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 the people that are not saved and wondering, hey, I'll change them. And God says, that's not my plan. It's not my plan. 1 Samuel 27, verse 7. In the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was was a full year and four months. As do the math, 16 months. 16 months, this guy living with the Philistines. You're saying, hey, I thought David was the guy that danced before God and sang praises and wrote the book of Psalms and all that. Yeah, this is the same guy. Here's number four, drifting from God will lead you to make foolish decisions. When you're away from God, you'll make decisions in your mind and your heart that you never thought you would do. The only thing that guides us, the only thing that sits there and keeps you on track is being sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know in Thessalonians when he says, quench not the Spirit. I've talked to people that have that drifted from God and they're way over there and I said, man, how... How did you get wrapped up in that? Because I've never, I don't think I've ever told this story. I mean, it's 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 hard for me to even get into it. My youth pastor, that was my youth pastor growing up, served seven years in prison. His wife served five years in prison. My youth pastor, not before he was saved, after I graduated out of the youth department. Served seven years. In prison, five years in that. You say, what did they get arrested for? Selling drugs. You're saying, what in the world? I'm telling you, I went to a gospel, I, I went to Malcolm Carter's church. I, I went to Temple Baptist in Coleman. He was a youth pastor there. His brother was the founder, founder of the church that Pastor Malcolm is the, is the pastor of. And I've gone to him, and his name is Jeff. And let me tell you, today he is out, restored his family, and he's a full-time pastor at Temple Baptist in Coleman. God just did amazing things with him. And I asked him, I said, Jeff, how in the world? And he said, Tony, it always starts in your heart, where you get apathetic, and this doesn't matter, and this. He said, we started working out at a gym. We were desperate to lose weight. He said, I wanted so bad to lose this. Somebody came up to my wife and said, have you ever tried this? It's not really a drug, it just helps you get the weight off faster. She started doing it, she got to a plateau. She said, this isn't working anymore. They said, this is a little stronger. And before long, both of us traveled a road that took us a lot further than we ever wanted to go. They got hooked on worse stuff than that. They got busted selling drugs to some other people within a school zone. It was actually a stakeout and a setup. And they went to prison. They had to watch their kids grow up through pictures. And you say, how, how is that? about that, that was my life. That was it. And I'm telling you, the people that used to preach to me, I remember the messages that I heard growing up. You know what? Because you're not above sin. You're not above drifting. You're not above getting away. You're not. Satan's out there and he's constantly trying to pull us away because if he can't take away our salvation... But he sure can pull you away enough to where you're no good in the service of God, and you affect everyone that is with you. Here you are. You make dumb decisions, foolish decisions. Let me show you. 1 Samuel twenty-eight verse seven or twenty-seven verse eight, and David and his men went up and invaded, Geshurites and the Geshurites and the Malachites. for those nations were the old the inhabitants of the of the land. As thou goest to Shur, even unto the land of Egypt, and David smote the land, and left neither man nor woman alive, and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and the return, and came to Achish. So this guy that he hooks up with, that actually was one of the rulers of the Philistines, that he was got his home and his location and all of his hookups from this guy, and that guy was happy because he had the six hundred warriors of him for them to go out, pillage, and do all these things, what the world does. And David goes out one day and he says to all his men... And he says, you know what? We can really get the hook up if we go after these guys. Now, here's the thing about the story. The people they were going after were actually the enemies of Israel. And he said, oh, all right, that's good. But here he is. He's yoked up with the enemy going after the enemies. You know what he's doing? He's sticking the guys in the back. Here he is doing deceitful works... Thinking that he never would be in this situation... Verse 10, and Achish said, whether have you made a road uh, today? And that's the old English word that means a raid or an excursion. He said, did you go out and pillage today? Did you go out and steal anything? Did you conquer anything? Now, notice his wording here. And David said, against the south of Judah and against the south of the uh, Jero- oh, man, and the south of the Kidnites, all the three of them he went out to. And the thing is, he's not lying here because of the area that he went, but he left out the detail of the very people that he went to pillage was the very friends of this wicked nation. He said, what was he doing? Oh, he was just kind of twisting the truth. He was going around the facts of it. He was just giving partial information. We make foolish decisions when we're away from God. Even as us as parents, when we sit there and you're away from God and you know that there's certain things that we should not allow in our home, or allow our kids to do. You know what happens? You're sitting there going, who am I to say that's wrong when I'm not even living right? Go ahead and do that. We drop our guard and we let Satan come in. This, this is what happened. David uh, had to cover his tracks. That's what happens when you start lying. When you start get off, you can't get off without having to kind of do a little collateral cleanup and damage and all this stuff that comes with it. And David saved neither woman. Alive to bring tidings to God, saying, lest they should tell on us. Saying, so did David, and so will uh, be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. He said, I, he said guys, we're going to go in here, and unless they're going to go back and tell the Philistines what we're doing, we just have to kill them all. And David is doing this, and it's just a matter of him drifting further and further. Can I mention something while we're in the middle of this? Not one time in all of this did we read about David ever praising God, ever writing scripture, ever praying or doing anything to the glory of God. It was all about the flesh. Do you want to have a little self-check to see if you're drifting from God? you know, you going to say, how far have I gone? Check your spiritual walk. What is your prayer life like? What is your passions like? What are the things that used to tell your kids, no, we're never going to do that in our house, that now you're justifying allowing in there? How have you dropped your guard in ways that you said that you would never do? Here's the fifth thing. Drifting from God will always lead you to lose your identity or your testimony. Look at this, verse 12. And Achish believed David, saying, uh, he hath made his people of Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore... He shall be my servant forever. I mean, wait a minute. This is David. This is the man that said, do they not defile our God? This is the guy that tur- turned around and rose up and started them to follow him as a result of his passion for God. And now they have the idea that he's going after to kill his own people. I don't know about you, but that kind of ruined his testimony with the enemy. Hey guys, we've got a real winner over here. This guy is willing to stick his own people in the back. This guy turned his back on everything that he believed and he stood for. Hey, guys, he's just like us. I hate to have the reputation where the world turns around and looks at us and says, hey, you know what? He knows how to party just like the rest of us. All he goes to church, but I tell you, he's really no different than us. When we lose our distinction, or lose the fact that we're no longer salt of the earth. The world itself was saying, he's an okay guy. David is just one of us. Number six, drifting from God or compromising always leads to, con- uh, to consequences. Chapter 29, verse 6. And Achish called David and said unto him, Surely, as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright in thy going out, and thy coming with me unto the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day that thy coming unto me unto this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor, uh, the Lord's, Little L, favor thee not. You know, it's a shame. He said, I've never seen anything bad about you. That's because David lied to cover up all of his sin. Wherefore, now return and go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. And David said unto Achish, What have I done? And What hast thou found in thy servants, so long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I might not fight against the enemies of the Lord the King? You know, it's a shame. Through all of this, and this is what happens, There's consequences. You cannot regain your testimony when you get there and all that time that you've been at work and you've been testifying to the neighbors and that. And you lose your cool and you lose your testimony and all of a sudden they sit there. There's consequences that come with that. I think about our young people. Here we're getting ready for back to school. I know you guys hate that. Going to Walmart and it's back to school. One of the most dreaded things when I was a kid... Is when they put up all the back to school signs, and I'm like, "We've got six weeks. Bring that junk down." It's like, "Why would you do that?" Hate that. Let me tell you, it is so important that we realize that when you compromise, and you don't stand out, and our kids are going back to school, it is so important, especially with everything going on in this world, that our kids go back in the school being different. Don't lose your testimony. Make sure you guard your heart, you guard your mind, and you guard your activities, and you guard the influences, you guard the habits that come into your life. It's not a matter of trying to be better than them, but it is to show the difference that Christ makes in our life. The reason why we love David so much, and the reason why we look to him so much as an example, is because we saw passion in it. And right now, there's no passion in David whatsoever. David lost his identity. He's in a miserable place. He's not identified with the Christians. He's not identified with the world. Have you ever been in that situation? Even the bad guys said, we don't want you either. Get out of here. And he turns back over and says, wait a minute. I've done damage on both sides. I, I, I've got that. And let me tell you, when you get in that position, the only thing you can do is you turn back to God and say, God, I want to be back where I want, where I once was. I love how he did this. David in this next passage in 1 Samuel 30 verse 1, you talk about the consequences. And David said, well, 16 months living in the world, doing all these things, what's the big deal? It is a big deal. And it came to pass when David and his men came to Ziglag. And the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, spent in Ziglag, and burned it with fire. And they had taken the women captives that were there. they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. See, everything that God had given him. It didn't happen earlier in the story, it happens later. And you think, what's the big deal as I get out of church or I sway from God or I drop all these things that God has in our life and you say, what's the big deal? I promise you, God said, I won't be mocked, you will reap what you sow. You you can't just run to the world, you can't just run to the Philistines, you can't just get back where God saved you from and think it's going to be okay. No, God said, it is not where I want you. So, David and the men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Just listen to that description. You know what it's like for David to go out there and kill and bring a complete victory to a nation with a rock? With a rock? Little as much when God is in it. He's saying, I, I, I'm not much as a dad, Pastor Tony, I'm not much as a mom, I'm not much in this ministry, I, I'm not this. I promise you, it's not about who you are, but who you serve. You stand there with that, and, and the other side of it, when he had the 600 men, and he had all the power, and he had the position, and he had all that, and all of a sudden, he does it without the power of God, and he's sitting there on his hands weeping till he had no more power to weep. It's not a place that any of us want to be. And it's not a matter of, oh, you drift from God. God's going to be there with a big club to beat you up and say, see, I told you. So it's not a matter of this. It's about you facing your enemies or you facing this world without the power of God. That's what it is. It's not about God leaving you. It's about you saying, God, just get away from me. God, I'm I'm going to run over here. and God says, I saved you from that. I want to be over here. and God's all right. All right. But see how that goes for you. David is in this miserable place. But I love how this ends. The Bible says in verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Do you realize that when David slew Goliath, they carried him in and, and chanted about how David was this warrior and all of this. And now that same one wants to pick up stones and say, let's take his life. You talk about rebellion in your family Rebellion in your ministry, rebellion in that when the world looks at you and says, what's wrong with you? When your spouse loses all respect for you, the people around you, your kids lose all respect for you, saying this is not the man of God I once knew. They were bitter in their hearts. See, this is in the pizzazz, this is in the glory that we often talk about with David. Because the soul of all the people were Grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now I'm I'm going to close with this, but let me let me show you the two things that David did here. At the end of it, it wasn't an outward thing; it wasn't a fancy display; it wasn't all the attention; it wasn't all right, all right. I've done wrong; I've sinned. All right, all right, guys, don't put down the stones under this. When it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, I'd imagine that he slipped away. Have you ever had that prayer where it wasn't showy, it wasn't at an altar, it wasn't in front of a crowd, it was just you and God, and you just said, God, I'm just sorry. God, I've gotten so far away. I've allowed so much in my life. Lord, I've made such a mess. I've hurt the ones that I love. I've hurt my testimony. I'm not serving. I'm not leading. I'm not praising. I'm not doing anything. Just in your heart, just in your heart, just... The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me tell you one reason. He had no one else. His family was drugged off by the world. All all of the other ones that he stood with, he turned and drugged them off into wrong, and now they want to stone him. He doesn't have the children of Israel, and the Philistines kicked them out. Because God's saying very clearly, David, I'm all you have. I'm all you need. I'm it. God restores those who drift from him. You guys remember that. Because in verse 8 says, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after the troops? Can I just go back to the beginning of that? David inquired at the Lord. He say, Why is that a big deal? Go back through the passages that we just read. Never once do we read where David stopped and looked to God for anything. And this time he says, I'm not doing this without you. And this time he said, what do you want me to do? The other time he said, hey, I, I'm grieved in my heart. And David decided in his heart, I'm one day going to probably die by him. I'm just going to go after this. This time he stopped and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Shall I pursue after this troops? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. I'll tell you, I can't even read that without getting chill bumps. When God looks at it and says, Ah, David, you know how you encouraged yourself and me, you know how you got it right. You know how you threw your hands up and said you can't. But let me show you how I can. So this, what is this? This is just one other illustration of God's grace and God's mercy to you and to me. I don't, I don't know where you're at or if you have drifted, backslid, gotten away from God or wherever it is. But let me tell you, it, it will lead you down a path. It will get you a place. And it might be just that you're in that, oh, I don't care. What's well, the big deal? You've lost your joy. You've lost your praise. You've lost your worship. It's a miserable place to be.